You're listening to the Essential Series, Part 3, The Trinity. For more information about the Church at Rutledge, you can visit us at thechurchatrutledge.org. We've kind of gone back to school here at TCAR. We've got some really fun stuff planned for, the, for next week and the weeks ahead. You don't want to miss it. We've, we've got some really good stuff we're working on that you'll just really love. I, I'm dying to just say, we're going to do this, you know, but I just don't want to do that. I want you to just come back and see. But it's going to be fun, okay? I, I will say this. If you want to learn how to properly high-five someone, come back next Sunday, okay? All right? So welcome back to class, and I hope you're excited. It, is this not a, just a great place to be? I just, I love being around you guys in this church, and, and so are you guys ready to learn? You're like, you got me excited about being around here, but when you say learn, you lose me, okay? Because uh, I just, you know, the whole school thing. So if you're not into school, you may not like this, but we've gone to like a classroom format of learning some essential foundational beliefs to the Christian faith. And today we dive into the doctrine of the Trinity and the simple fact that God is, okay? And so uh, put your, you're going to have to put your brains in gear, like tap into that coffee reservoir that's swirling around in your stomach, and, uh, and just stay with me because I'm going to try to move very quickly this morning, okay? Um, but in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 35, it says, You were shown these things so that you might know that the Lord is God, besides Him there is no other. Okay? And we've laid a foundation the past couple of weeks of why this is important to study doctrine, which is just a word for teachings, what are the basic teachings of Scripture. Uh, and last week laid the foundation for the Bible. Why can we count on the Bible? Why is it what it is? Uh, you can go online and listen to all those and kind of catch up. But here Scripture is saying that the Lord is God, besides Him there is no other. Isaiah 43.10, You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am He. Before me no God was formed, nor will there be one after me. Okay, and we're reading Scripture here seeing that God is he just is. God is God. There is no other God. The God of the Bible is it. And so we'll get into in a little while, why, you know, on some levels of other religions, other belief systems, other things that say they're God. They're, you know, if you're a Christian, here's the Bible says, He's God. There is nothing else. Okay? He's it. 1 Timothy 1.17, now to the King Eternal... Here's some great attributes or characteristics of God, of, of His deity. Now, to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. The only God. Okay? 1 Timothy 2.5. In there, you can just read that first part. It says, for there is one God. Okay? One God. We're going to talk about that this morning in detail because it's kind of hard to understand to go, one God three persons, but one God, okay? That's the Trinity, and we're going to get into that in just a minute, okay? And my favorite, to put another truth to, to this about any other religion, ideology, philosophy, whatever, John 17, 3, which you guys have heard since the dawn of time back at the tomato festival days, okay? John 17, 3, for this is eternal life, because a lot of people have questions about what is eternal life. You could go to a bunch of churches around here and ask them that and get an answer for every church there is around here. Jesus says, this is eternal life, that they know you, 
what? The only true God. It's knowing who He truly is. He is the only God, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Okay? And, you're, and you're, there you start to see true God and Jesus Christ, okay? And we're going to get further into this. Um, and, it's, and it's so difficult to understand. I know out in the tent, kids have looked at the teachers out there and gone, I don't understand this Trinity thing. I don't, is Jesus God? Is Holy Spirit? Who's Father God? What? But there's one God. We believe in one God. I don't, I don't understand, okay? And, and it's very, even from kids to adults, I don't, doesn't matter how old you are, this is a very, very difficult topic to understand, okay? Augustine said that if you deny the Trinity, you lose your soul, and if you try to explain it, you lose your mind, okay? So we're going to try to avoid both of those things this morning, but the fact is, is that we have to start with God. If we get God wrong, you know, if we go, well, who is God? And if we get that question answered wrong, then everything else is wrong. Everything is connected to who you think God is. Everything else in your life is going to be connected to that one thing. Because who is your God, and that's going to drive your life. Who do I think God is? And, and, and that's, that's not the place to start of who do I think God is, but rather who does the true God, who does God say He is? Because we have to start with Him. He is the starting point, and as we saw last week, He has spoken through His Word and revealed Himself to us through Scripture the Bible. Okay? Now, the first recorded use of, by the early church of the word Trinity that people kind of attribute this to of him coining this phrase was by a man named Tertullian, okay, who lived about 155 to 220 AD, okay, he's a part of the early church, uh, a uh, theologian who, who coined this, to, who started putting this together and said the best way to describe this is he's the Trinity, th- he's three in one, okay, and this word was used in an effort to summarize the complete biblical teaching regarding who God is, okay? So we'll begin this morning with a simple definition, okay? And I, I like Mark Griscoll's definition. Uh, he defined it this way, and so this is the one I'm going to use today because this really is, it, it sums it up. Okay, it says, the Trinity is one God, okay? If you're a Christian, you're a monotheist, You're in monotheism, one God, mono meaning one, theism, uh, God, one God who eternally exists. The Trinity is one God who eternally exists. There was never a time that the Father, Son, and the Spirit didn't exist. They've always existed. They always will, okay? Who eternally exists as three distinct persons. And by persons, I, I mean... Each of them, they think, they feel, they act, they speak, okay? We're, we're not talking about human persons. We're not prescribing humanity to God. We're made in His image as humans, but He is not human, okay? He's God. But he ha- because we're made in His image, we have those characteristics, but He is not a human, but you can refer to Him as a person in that He speaks, he feels, he acts, thinks. Uh, okay, does that kind of make sense? I hope. That, oh, this is so hard to understand. I feel like all day I'm going to be going, 
Are, are you, you got this? Okay. Because I sit around and it hurts my brain, okay? God is not a man, is what we're trying to say. The Bible says elsewhere, um, God became man. God the Son did, not Father God. Jesus became man, okay? The Lord Jesus Christ. But the Spirit of God is not a person insofar as a human being. But He's a person insofar as He thinks, acts, feels, speaks, all right? God is a person, not especially when we think of the, the Holy Spirit, we think of some impersonal force, right? It's, it's this force, the Holy Spirit, right? Um, and I joke with people sometimes, and they'll be into something, I'll say, well, may the force be with you, okay? But that's, I'm just, that's a joke. I don't mean that the Holy Spirit is a force per se, okay? Um, God is a person, not an impersonal force, okay? So the Trinity is one God who is, eternally exists as three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Spirit, who are each fully, meaning they share the divine attributes of all-knowing, which you hear people say is he's omniscient, all-powerful, or omnipotent, and all-present, omnipresent, okay? And equally, not one more than the other, you know, not one more God than the other, but all-God, Okay? So the Trinity is one God who eternally exists as three distinct persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, who are each fully and equally God. Okay? Now I want you to know that if you still can't fully understand this today, don't get up all upset about it. Okay? Nobody can fully understand this. It's, it's impossible. You have to realize as humans we are limited we are finite. God is unlimited. Limited. He is infinite. And you can't put unlimited inside of limited. Okay? You, you understand what I'm saying? It's like a kid at the beach, and he's dug a hole over here in the beach, and he's got this bucket, and he's taking water out of the ocean and putting it in the hole, and some guy walks along and says, what are you doing? And the kid says, I'm going to put the ocean in that hole. Okay? That's like trying to understand fully the Trinity. It's like trying to put the ocean into this hole, okay? It just doesn't, it doesn't fit, okay? It's like trying to put God who is eternal and infinite and all-powerful into limited, not all-powerful. It just doesn't fit in this box, okay? So the fact that you don't understand some things about Scripture, about the Trinity, don't let that bother you. We'll get to that at the end of just being amazed at what you do know, Okay? So don't get upset all about it. And so it's with us, with that today, to understand the Trinity um, and who God is is completely like trying to pour the ocean into a hole. Our brains can't handle it. But if we can understand some things about God, of course, then we're a step closer. It's, it's like looking up at a full moon at night, right? I mean, if you get outside and you look up at the moon and there's a full moon... You know that's the moon. You can see its shape. You can kind of get a picture of it, but you can't see all of the little hills and the texture and what, what the surface feels like and all the mountains and the craters, and you can't see all of, the, all of that in there in great detail. Now, if you got a telescope and you looked at the moon, it's going to clear it up a little bit, and you're going to start to see little pieces a little better, but you're still not going to fully be able to see the entire moon, the, the dark side, the, 
all, every little piece of it, still not going to be able to feel what the, the surface is like and so forth. So it, it helps us. So the Bible is like our telescope that lets us see God clearer, but we still aren't standing there on the moon yet, okay? We still won't see everything about God this side of heaven. So you just have to be okay with that, okay? And throughout the ages, ages many have attacked the doctrine of the Trinity, mostly out of frustration uh, of not understanding it, so they attack it. But to deny the Trinity is to deny who God himself says he is. Scripture is very, very clear about this part of who he is, regardless of our lack of understanding. Uh, like some people will even say, well, you won't find the word Trinity in the Bible. Okay, I got you. Well, you don't find the word Bible in the Bible, but I've got one. Okay? You, you, you're holding one. It's, it, it's, it, it's not the issue. The word Trinity is a theological term, not a biblical term. Okay? And although many other world religions deny it, like Jehovah Witnesses, I never heard the apostles stop Jesus and question him about it. Okay? He never stopped and went, now, oh, oh, wait a minute. Hold on, Jesus. Now, what is this Father, Son, Holy Spirit bit about anyway? Like, you keep talking about you and God are one, and you can send the Holy Spirit. And, but yet, we've been taught from childhood, and we'll talk about it in a minute, we've recited every day when we've got up and at night when we go to bed that God, the Lord God is one. So what, hold on, stop for a second. You don't see that in Scripture. They, you don't see them doing that. It never seemed to be an issue with them. They seemed to embrace fully that there was Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and Jesus referred to them all as one, and, he, and they were okay with that. Paul even says during his farewell address to the elders in Ephesus in Acts chapter 20, verse 25 through 28, he says this. He says, Now I know that none of you among, none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. He's going, I'm leaving, going on this mission deal. I'm going to go do some other stuff, and you're just, I'm not going to be back here. Therefore I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of any of you, for I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the... Listen to this. Paul lays out the Trinity right here in his farewell address to him. Of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers by shepherds of the church of who? God the Father, which he brought, bought with his own blood. Meaning who? Jesus. Okay? Right there in that one, sent, one verse, one sentence, Paul presents the Trinity. Okay, he acknowledges it. The Trinity included by Paul in one sentence. Okay? A good mark of a cult or people who, I mean, one of their marks is an is inadequate or denial of the view, in the view of the triune nature of God. Okay? And many have made accusations and tried to attack the triune nature of God throughout history, and that's it's all this stuff I don't have time to get into, like uh, monarchianism during the second and third century is when that kind of all started. It's, it, you know, certain religions today just didn't come up with this. It's not anything new. They've been trying to do that since the second and third century. But we'll get into it in a minute. In the Old Testament, the Jews never had an issue with it. Even before Jesus came, they acknowledged him as part of the Trinity. 
not even had see, having seen him. Okay, it was prophesied by they. They acknowledged that. Okay, the early church and pre-apostolic period, all that stuff. They never had a problem with it. It wasn't until later that people kind of went, hmm. And then from then, that point on, second, third century, they started trying to challenge this. Okay, and whether it's uh, so Sinianism in the 1500s, it, you know, it's, it's the same arguments, just different names today. It's not monarchianism and all those stuff. Now it's Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons and Unitarians and Oneness Pentecostals, not all Pentecostals, Oneness Pentecostals or the Way International. There's, there's all these names for people which are all anti-Trinitarian groups and are bold enough to think the church has been wrong for 1,800 years till they came along. Okay. Um, Muslims obviously don't believe in the Trinity. It's an illogical term to them. Actually believing in the, I don't know if you know this, actually believing in the Trinity to them is one of the major sins that makes you an infidel. Okay? The Koran, their Bible, so to say, says, and I quote, infidels now are they who say God is the Messiah, the Son of Mary. And it says that God will be merciful to adulterers and liars, but not Trinitarians. In fact, such deserve hell, according to the Quran in Surah 5. It's down in verse 72 of their, their book of the Quran. 70, verse 73 outright denies the Trinity. I, I actually read it last night, okay? I'm not just quoting something I heard. I went and read it, Okay. 73 outright denies the Trinity and says that the Christ, the son of Mary, is only an apostle. He's just a man. Okay? And culture says, well, it's all the same, really. All religions lead to the same, really just all lead to God. It's just one calls him Allah, one calls him Jehovah, one calls him, you know, whatever. It, it's all the same. No, it's not. And, and, and yet, Islam is the fastest growing religion on earth. And it is no wonder if the church doesn't know what it believes about the Trinity. We get, we get fooled by it. And it's, it is to deny who God says He is in the Bible and Scripture, when we, which we validated last week in what Scripture is and that it is what it says it is. But it... it it, it is to deny who God says He is in Scripture, not to say that they are three in one, that they're a trinity. Um, how many of you besides our staff, I'm going to eliminate them because I know they listen to stuff online and all the time and so forth, have heard a full, just a full sermon just on the trinity before? Okay, just a few of you. You see the, you see the problem? Okay. And so a Jehovah Witness comes to your door and backs you into a corner and has all this great stuff that they throw at you, and what about this, and what about this, and, and, and what are they, whatever they see, say, just, it just seems to make so much sense. And you don't know any better and that their Bible is twisted and changed to fit their doctrine, and, and even though it says Holy Bible on it, and it, it has been changed. And you say, well, you know, that, yeah, that makes sense to me. You know, stand there listening to them. And, and you don't, because you don't know, you haven't, and I'm not saying shame on you, I'm saying churches haven't done a good job at teaching basics, okay? I'm going to put the blame here, not on you, okay? 
but at the same time, read your Bible, okay? Um, from the dawn of time, there have been false religions and other gods. Even Paul walked into a city in the Bible and noted their statues, the street just lined with these statues of other gods, quote-unquote. The people of Israel, Old and New Testament, were constantly warned about other gods and goddesses and other cultures and, that were false. And I don't, I don't want to, like, cause a riot. or I'm just, I say this every message anymore, but I don't want to crank you up so much and get you. Uh, but the truth is, is I agree with a statement that Mark Griscoll made, his insights, and I will just read you his words this morning because I don't want to just plagiarize and, and say these are my words, but I agree with what he is saying here, and you have to be very careful, Okay. But this, this is, I'm, I'm kind of buffering this and preparing you, giving you a moment to take a deep breath because you're going to go, wow, never thought about that before, and it may disturb you a little bit, okay? Okay? Other religions, this is what he says. I'm just going to read from his transcript, okay? Other religions, other than Christianity, worship demons. Really, truly powerful spirit beings fallen angels created by God in league with Satan. The Bible says elsewhere, masquerading as angels of light. They even appear to be good. Performing counterfeit signs, wonders, and miracles. You need to be very careful that you are not just spiritual, but Christian because spirit, the word spirit just means angel. And there are angels who love the God of the Bible and angels who love Satan and join in his rebellion against the God of the Bible. Therefore, to simply plug into the spiritual world is to potentially plug into a demon. Are you with me? The Bible, are you with him? Because I am, okay? The Bible says this, is, says this in both the Old and New Testament. I'll give you one example in Deuteronomy 32, 17. This isn't on the screen or in your notes. We are told they sacrificed to demons that were not God. They sacrificed to demons. Old Testament people who did not believe in the God of the Bible went through all sorts of spiritual ritual, but they did so to demons, not to God. But what are they thinking? It's to God, okay? The New Testament declares in 1 Corinthians 10, 20, what pagan sacrifice they offer to demons and not to God I do not want you to be participants with demons. Again, I'm not saying that other religions don't have powerful spiritual beings they worship, and I'm not saying that they don't have powerful spiritual experiences, but I'm saying that its origination is not the God of the Bible, the Trinitarian God of the Bible. It is a demon. I believe that Allah is a demon with the name Allah, and He's different than Yahweh, the God of the Bible. When you see the bumper stickers that say, you know, love your Mother Earth, there is a demon named Mother Earth. There are demons who pretend to be God, want you to worship them as God, and if you're just religious or spiritual and not Christian, you could end up participating with demons. And my fear is out of love for you, for some of you already are doing that. You say, but I have all kinds of spiritual power and experience. Yes, but test the spirits. First John says, because not every spirit comes from God and not every spirit honors Jesus as God, there's one God. Okay, you've heard me just to summarize all that up, say it this way. Be careful because 
not everything out there that's spiritual is of God. Just because it's spiritual doesn't mean it's God, okay? The true God of the Bible, okay? Take a deep breath, recover from what I just said, okay? Because if you understand the implications of that, you, it really ought to scare you a little bit. It does me, okay? It makes me concerned to say, I need to know who God really is and make sure that I am totally and wholly focused on Him so that I don't get sidetracked by something that, that is potentially harmful and wrong and not God-honoring, okay? And I will go on to say this is exactly why you can't just blow me off and shrug it off as just some movie or book or entertainment or whatever you want to categorize it as when I talk about things like Harry Potter and Twilight. And I know some of you go, oh, gosh, here he goes again about that stuff. You know, it's like it's just you can't just shrug that off when it's witchcraft and it's vampires having babies with humans and written by a Mormon lady who had a very spiritual dream, a vision, and wrote about it in an eerie fashion, sounding a lot like Joseph Smith who started the Mormon church, being visited by an angel in a cave and writing about it. Okay? You just can't shrug that off. Okay? It, it, you know, it's... It's the Mormon church who says that Jesus was just a man who became God. That's twisted backwards from the Bible who says it was Jesus part, who is God, part of the Trinity, who came to earth as a man, not the opposite. Okay? That's the original sin given to Eve in the garden. You can be God. You're just a man. You can be God. Okay? Mormonism is polytheism, many gods, which says men and women have the opportunity to become God. If you want to think you can become God, then Mormon is where it's at for you. But it's wrong. It's not the God of the Bible. Jesus was a man who became God, not God who became a man. Okay? Jesus was a... They teach Jesus was a man who became God, not God who became a man. Let me back up and clarify, uh, which is totally different from Christianity. There's only one God, and Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are that one God. So let me quickly look at the deity of God, the deity of Christ, and the deity of the Holy Spirit, all of which individual doctrines of our church, then compounded by the doctrine of the Trinity. So I'm kind of going into Trinity to explain four essential beliefs of, of ours this morning, but for sake of time and not going on for uh, about six months just on this one series, I have to consolidate. Okay, God the Father is God. It's evident throughout scriptures that Father God is part of the Trinity and yet distinct from Jesus and the Holy Spirit, and nobody argues that fact. Nobody, no other religions goes, well, God the Father, you know, the Father is not God, Okay. Nobody gets that part wrong, okay? First uh, Corinthians 8, 6 says, Yet for us there is but one God, the Father. John 14, 6, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. That's Jesus speaking, okay? And there are tons of places that Jesus refers to the Father and that they are one, yet he is distinct in person from Jesus, the Father is. And, you know, Jesus would say, I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say what the Father says, right? 
I and the Father are one. Previous scriptures we read acknowledge the Father when we started this, this morning. No one against, goes against the Father. Everybody gets that one right. On the other hand, some people say that Jesus himself never said he was God. Okay? And I don't know what Bible they're reading, but it's not mine. Okay? After Jesus was crucified, he appeared to many people uh, after his resurrection, and one of them was to Thomas. You've heard him referred to in church as who? Doubting Thomas, right? This is why. His, Jesus was buried, crucified, buried, rose from the grave, and then appeared to some four or 500 people. And one of those people was Thomas, and Thomas went, I just don't believe it. I just don't believe that you're him. That's impossible, okay? And so in John 20, 26 through 28, it, it kind of it tells you how this kind of goes. He says, it says, a week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. The last time Thomas wasn't there. So they, he, he's hearing them talk about, we've seen Jesus. And he's like, yeah, whatever. Okay? And so though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, which that's a pretty neat trick, don't you think? Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, so I heard you've been talking smack about me, okay, that I ain't for real. Put your finger here, see my hands. Talking about this, the nails, the scars. Reach out your hand and put it into my side, where the spear, the soldier had poked him with the spear in the side, okay? Stop doubting and believe. And it says in verse 28, what? Thomas said to him, to Jesus, my Lord and my God. He says it right there, okay? And Jesus accepted his worship as God, okay? Jesus claimed to forgive sin, and how'd that go with the Pharisees? They didn't like that, did they? And, and even enemies of Jesus said, only God can forgive sin. And Jesus was like, well, I don't have an argument for that. You know, I I'm, can't debate you on that one. That's true. Jesus even claimed preexistence with God in John, as, as God with the Father. In John 8, 58, he said, before Abraham was born, I am. Referring to the great I am of, you know what? Before I walked on this earth and you saw me, I existed. I've existed before Abraham. I've always existed. And later in John 10, his enemies even understand his claims of being God and they get defensive about it. Okay? John 10, 31 through 33. Again, his Jewish opponents picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus said to them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? And it says in verse 33, We are not stoning you for any good work, they replied, but for blasphemy, because you, a mere man, claim to be God. So whenever anybody says the Bible doesn't say that Jesus claims to be God, hello, okay? You got to know this, okay? Because you'll get pulled over to some other weird religion, worshiping a, de a demon, okay? Don't let a Jehovah's Witness tell you Jesus wasn't God. That's the biggest insult to me from them, is to say that my Jesus is not God. The Jesus that I know, that I love, that I worship, that he is not God, okay? And, and so, and finally, the, the ultimate deity proving scripture for Jesus is, is in the book of John, the first chapter. When you read that, you can't get this wrong, okay? Okay? even though you have to 
tie two things together, okay? In John chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was the Word. Capital W Word. This is a specific, talking about something very specific. It's capitalized, okay? And the Word, this Word, whoever He is, was with God. And the Word was God. Okay, you get that? Always been there, with God, was God. And He was with God in the beginning. All of a sudden it changes the, the wording to say the Word, he, it all of a sudden calls Him He. Okay? Now follow me because it's progressively getting you to understand something. Okay? It's, it's why last week's Scripture thing was so important. Okay? Through Him all things were made. So whoever the Word is, He was there in the beginning, and from Him everything was created, which is the big argument from Jehovah Witnesses that Jesus is was created, not creator, because he wasn't God, okay? Right here it says this, okay? Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. That's very clear. So whoever the word is, which I've already told you, is eternal, not created, and is God. Who's the word? You read on down in that same chapter, verse 14 of John 1, and it says, the word, he became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Who is that? It's Jesus, okay? We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son. Right there it says it. Who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Okay? So there's, there's no way around this, okay? Jesus, eternity passed with the Father, created all things. He is not a man created by God. Okay? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Jesus is God. The reason, that the very reason Jesus was put to death was why? Because he kept claiming to be God. Okay? The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity and claims deity as well. Let's move into it. So we've gone through these three. Acts chapter 5, 1 through 3, Peter is the pastor of the church. We're going to look at verses 3 uh, and 4. But in the first part of that... There are church members, Ananias and Sapphira, okay? They're a couple, and they're church members, and they chose to sell a piece of property, and they make this pledge, this promise, a vow to God that they will give all the proceeds from that property to the church for the work of the ministry. Well, they decide to hold a little bit back and not to give all the money that they have promised and they, they keep some of it for themselves. They get greedy, okay? In a sense, stealing from God. And so verse 3 and 4 says this, Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have... Listen to this, because this ties to the very last statement we're going to make. How is it that you have, Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to who? But to God. In, the, in that first verse we read, he said, you've lied to the Holy Spirit. And, and just so you understand, that's not just lying to men. Lying to the Holy Spirit is lying to God. Do you get that? Okay. And, you can read on after that if you want to have some fun. 
and see what happened to them for cheating the church and not giving like they should. Okay? I'll let you in on a little something. They fell over dead. There was guys waiting at the door. Like, you know, we got to go carry them away, okay? So after the service today, there'll be some guys standing at the doors to explain it to you if you don't get that. Okay? Kind of a mafia kind of deal. Hey, Danny, get some boys to stand at the door after the offering. You know what I'm saying? Okay? Um, anyway. But that's, when you read that, that's kind of what you feel, okay? When I read that, I went, that's just weird. Like, he comes in first, and I'm giving away, you, you can read it, but, like, he comes in, and so he, they're like, you lied to God, and he falls over dead. They take him out and bury him, and his wife's, like, somewhere else, and she walks in, and they're like, so, how much did you get for the property? Was it this much, like your husband said? And she's like, uh, yeah. And they're like, boys, come here. And they carry her out, too, Okay. So, just letting you in on something there, okay? Um, if you're a guest this morning, we don't expect anything from you, okay? Um, I'm just totally kidding, okay? Okay, the Holy... Back on track. I get off track so easy. My mind wanders, okay? The Holy Spirit... The Bible's fun to read. You just start reading. The Holy Spirit possesses attributes of, of the deity just like God and does. The Holy Spirit is omnipresent. He's omniscient, okay? The Holy Spirit is God, not an impersonal force. The Holy Spirit is, is not an it. We have this thing in church of saying, saying the Holy Spirit, it helped me, it convicted me, it. It's not an it, okay? It is a he. It is a person. It is God, okay? You don't refer to God as it, okay? Ephesians 4.30 says that when we sin, we grieve the Holy Spirit, okay? He has emotions. A force does not get grieved, okay? Electricity doesn't get grieved, okay? He is a person of the Trinity just like the Father and Jesus. Additionally, he can be resisted, okay? Acts 7.51, he convicts us of sin. He leads us, guides us, informs us, instructs us, enables us, empowers us, but we can resist him and say, no, don't want to do that. I know you're trying to push me that way, but I'm not going, okay? We, we can fight him. We can reject him. You can only do that with a person, okay? And Hebrews 10.29 says he can be insulted. He's not a for force. You, you can't insult el electricity, Okay, I, didn't know, I don't know if you know that. You can't insult a person. You can insult a person with feelings. The Holy Spirit is a person with feelings, and He is insulted when we tell lies and promote false doctrine. Okay, but how is it that these three? We've you know Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We've seen they're all three God, but there's one God. Isn't that the deal about the Bible, Marty? That we worship one God. We're monotheists, right? Israel was warned many times against polytheism. And they would go into lands of many gods, you know, when God would say, go in and take this land, and they would go in, he'd say, but don't pick up any of their stuff, don't mingle with them, don't marry their people, because they worship all these other gods, and, and you're not to do that, okay? I don't want you to get fooled by that, okay? So they would warn them of that, not to pick up their gods. But the Lord your God is one was his premise, okay? The Jews of the Old Testament were told to, this is something they did. They'd get up every morning and then every night and they would recite what was called the Shema, okay? And Jews today still do this, 
Okay, Deuteronomy 6.4, they would repeat, they just say this, and they would repeat it and recite it, okay? Which says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And the Lord is just a way of saying God. It's talking about the, the Godhead. It's, the, it's, the God. it's God, okay? The Lord, He's the one in charge, okay? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. The, the Lord is one, one, but Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are God, okay? Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, and this is where it gets really exciting for me. I just, I love learning this stuff, okay? I'm sorry if that makes me a geek or whatever. I'm fine with that, okay? Genesis 1, 1 and 2, when you start the Bible, it says what? In the beginning, God, and the word, the Hebrew word there is Elohim, okay, for God, created the heavens and the earth, okay? The word in the original language, Elohim, is a plural noun. I want you to understand this. It is a masculine plural noun, which is, is, a, is meaning unity and plurality. Okay? And verse 2 even gives you what the Spirit was doing. It's talking about this one God, this three-in-one Trinitarian God, Elohim, this plural noun God, in verse 2, now the earth was formless and empty, empty dark was over, the, was over the surface of the earth, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So even in the beginning, we have already saw that in John where it says the Word was with God in the beginning, created all things. Here it's saying Holy Spirit is there with God, okay? And the very word for God is saying it's a plural noun. This is not, this is Elohim, our God, who is a, who is three, but one unified God, okay? And, and it's... It, Okay, this, it's, that, this is where it gets really hard to wrap your brain around it. But, it. but it's neat stuff like that that you go, Scripture just so validates this. This is who He is, okay? And if you get into real deep stuff like looking at, if you're like Josh and you get into the Targum Neophedian, which was Jewish scholars just kind of sitting down and they're studying this stuff and back in the Old Testament days and they're writing stuff and you know how sometimes you'll study the Bible and we even tell you like what a good thing to do is to read a scripture and then write it down in your words so that you can understand it, okay? So like these guys are studying the Bible and they would copy stuff down and, and when they would copy stuff, you see the Jews themselves, and this is some stuff we found from around 200 BC. This is Old Testament before Christ and these guys are writing their interpretation of Genesis 1-1 and saying in the, the beginning... And they use this word, you see them use it, 200 B.C., the firstborn. When you get to that, in the beginning, God, they'd say, in the beginning, the firstborn, God, which is the Father, who's the firstborn, Jesus. Okay, if you get into New Testament and read about Jesus, who is the firstborn among men, he's, he's this, he, he has preeminence over everything, okay, created the heavens and the earth, and the Holy Spirit's hovering above the waters, even before Christ ever came, they're going, Trinity, there's three of them. They're acknowledging it even before Christ has even came, okay? They had a Trinitarian view. Always had, okay? Then on down in Genesis one twenty six clarifies this so much further to say, Then God, Elohim, plural noun, said, Here's a good question. Who in the world is he talking to? Okay. 
We're not there. And you don't get into this schizophrenic thing like he's talking to himself, okay? But he's talking to himself, okay? There's three of them, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, okay? And he said, speaking, let who? Us. Now, that doesn't include us, okay? That's just Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He said, let us make mankind in our image so that they may rule over the fish and the sea and the birds and sky over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God, verse 27, all of a sudden this, you got to grasp the changes, okay? This is one of the assignments I'm going to give you at the end is when you're reading Scripture, start paying attention to this, grasp this. The very verse before he's saying, then God, plural noun God, Elohim, let us make mankind in our image. Then he changes in verse 27 and says, so God created, so that's what they did. Who did? God did in his own image. Singular, masculine. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? The image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. It goes from us and our to him and he. Isn't that awesome? Okay, I'm, I'm sorry it doesn't boil you over like it does me. There's like two people out there going, yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Okay, rock on, man. Okay, the rest of you, just take a nap. It'll be okay. I'll somehow wake you up in a minute. It's just awesome. Here's you, some of your, like, you keep waking me up with your interruptions, okay? Okay, then on down in Genesis 1.26, well, I'm, see, I'm losing my mind, okay? But you go, he's talking to, to himself in that verse in Genesis 1.26. But in the Trinitarian sense, okay, he's not talking to angels. Hebrews 1 lets you know that, that by saying the angels never created the heavens and the earth. They, they didn't do that. They weren't around when he's doing that, okay? Um, that passage in Deuteronomy is key to this whole thing, okay, back with, that they would recite. The word in there, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. When you look at that word one that they use right there, okay? The word for one that they use there, I'm not culturally adept, okay, but it's pronounced ikad. Okay, you have to get that Middle Eastern thing going on in there, okay? Ikad, it's E C H A D for that word one. That word does not mean in Hebrew one in isolation, just one thing by itself. It doesn't mean that. Okay, that word means, it rather means a distinct one in unity, that, all, that this together makes one. And they would say that every morning and every night, ever since this start, okay? This word is always used in the Bible for a unity in singularity, three in one. For instance, it's used to say... Um, this, for this concept of unity and singularity, this word's used in the Bible to say one bunch of grapes. It's this, that word ikad, okay? Or one people, like his people Israel, okay? Or one couple, like that gets married, right? For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, and the two will become one, ikad, one flesh, Right? You grasping this? 
that these guys get up and say this every morning, and they're talking about there's one God, but they're talking about this togetherness in one, okay? They are still, in marriage, you're still two separate persons, but unified in this marriage relationship, there is unity in the plurality, okay? This is where, the, where we get the Trinity, okay? You've got to understand this. I, I'm, I'm sorry I'm so excited, and you're not, okay? But um, one God but a Trinity, Isaiah 6, 8 says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I, Echad, one, send? Then he turns around and says what? And who will go for? Us. You, you, when you read the Bible, you've got to pay attention, okay? And you'll forever read this in your life and go, Holy cow, do you see that? You see, I mean, I just I do that when I read this. I go, I've just never picked that up before. Who will I send? Who will go for us? Okay? It is literally throughout the whole Bible. You ever, have you ever noticed this stuff before? Some of you are like, yeah. Okay? Well, you're smarter than I am. I got that. Okay? And, and we're all in different levels with this stuff. But if you've never noticed that, maybe you, maybe you don't read it enough. If, if, if this is just okay, stupid jokes, but it, it was once said that if all the Christians were to read their Bibles at once, it would be the biggest dust storm ever in history. Okay, it's not that there, it, it isn't there, and it's not very clear usually. Okay, not that you, not that you understand all aspects of it when you read it, but it, it's, it's just that Christians don't read it enough. Right? We don't study it. You know why? Because I wonder if we really, really want to know God. Do you re- I mean, it's just true. You have as much God as you want. And, and so, you've got to read it. Jesus said to the religious, religious leaders of his day, he would say this. He would say, you're in error. Why? Because you don't know the Scriptures. Or the power of God. You don't know the Bible. He would say to the religious leaders, well, you're, you're wrong, buddy. Haven't you read the Bible? Okay? There are so many scriptural references, it is impossible to hit them all this morning. Okay? I mean, and it's so dominant in Christian history. Anybody got a New King James Bible this morning? New King James, some of you? There's a symbol on that probably. Little, come here, Derek. Hold up your hand. Right hand. See that? That's probably the same symbol that's on your Bible. Right? Is it? On the cover, on the spine, on the first page. Most New King James Bibles will have that. You know what that is? The symbol of the Trinity. Derek's not some crazy heretic, okay, running around with tattoos just because he has them, okay? You can sit down. We don't want to glorify that too much, okay? Um, it, it's a, but that symbol came about as a, the, the early church picked it up. It's called the triquetra. Yeah, okay. T-R-I-Q-U-E-T-R-A. Triquetra, okay? It's, it's, it's what's on his hand. It just, the word re- literally means just triangle, Okay, and, a, and a, it's a symbol used to represent the Trinity that was picked up by the early church in the eighth century 
to show their dedication to the doctrine of three distinct persons but one God. Okay? Isaiah 48, 16. Let's go Old Testament. Let's get old school. Okay? Go towards the end of that verse, verse 16. It says, And now the sovereign Lord, Father God, has sent me, who? Jesus, endowed with His Spirit. Some versions will say, and His Spirit. It's the Trinity in the Old Testament. For Jesus has ever come, but He's saying, this is how it is, and you're going to see Jesus going to come to earth. Now the Sovereign Lord has sent me Jesus and empowered with the Holy Spirit. Okay? This is the Trinity hundreds of years before Jesus and the early church, which Jesus said, said the very same thing more than 20 times in the book of John that the Father sent Him. Isn't that awesome? And, and then He told them He would send who? Jesus, Jesus says it 20 times that the Father sent me in the book of John, and then He turns around and looks at everybody else and says... And, and who's going to be sent to you? The Spirit. In fulfillment of what? Isaiah 48. Okay? Isaiah 61.1. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. Listen to this. This is just, I'm sorry, I get giddy like a little schoolgirl. Okay? You just have to pardon me. Hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus... This is said in Isaiah 61.1. Now in Luke 4, Jesus goes to the temple. He opens up the scrolls. He's going to read from the Old Testament. He reads what? What does he read? In Luke 4, right after his, this, right after his temptation in the wilderness by Satan, this is the inauguration of his public ministry. He opens up the scroll to Isaiah 61, and he says this, The Spirit of the Lord is on me to preach the good news. He quotes the rest of the section. He then closes the scroll, and Jesus says this amazing st statement. Today, this is fulfilled in me. Jesus knew. He knew that He was, as the second member of the Trinity, fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah 61. Ah, I'm sorry. In Matthew 3, we have the baptism of Jesus. Jesus goes down to the river. And, and, I, and I think it's been pointed out to some of you, like this is me getting excited. This is as Pentecostal as I get. I'm sorry, okay? <laughs> but if you know me, I'm, most of the time I'm like this. That's nice. Thank you for the gift. I appreciate it. That's wonderful. Thank you. Oh, that's exciting. Okay? It's me. I'm sorry. Okay? So when I'm like this, this is, a, this is really exciting. Okay? In Matthew 3, we have the baptism of Jesus. Jesus goes down to the river. There's John the Baptist. Isn't that wonderful? It just means baptizer. It's not like validating our, the denomination. Okay? Even though we like to play that on people, okay? Jesus gets baptized in the water, coming out of the water, Son of God, and then there's this voice from heaven, God the Father, who, what, what does He say? 
This is my son in whom I am well pleased. And then what happens? Who comes into the picture? The Holy Spirit descends at that moment upon Jesus in the form of a dove. And right there in one picture, wouldn't it have been neat to just see that, to be there? Okay? Because here, here you, the, it's God the Father speaking from heaven. You're hearing his voice, you're seeing the Holy Spirit, and there's Jesus. Is that not, um, it just, it's amazing to me. And there you have it. God the Father speaking, God the Son coming up out of the water, God the Spirit descending on Jesus to anoint Him for His ministry. The whole trinity right there. God in His great wisdom gave us this picture, this snapshot of, of the trinity at the baptism of Jesus. So be careful of, of saying they're all one, but just different roles of the same person. Like we'll typically use this deal of God, you know, he just puts on a different mask. Oh, I'm Jesus. Oh, now I'm Holy Spirit. Now I'm Father God, okay? It's not the same person playing three roles. It's referred to as modalism, okay? And, and when we, you got to be careful how you use even the analogy of, well, it's like water that gets frozen into ice and then is a vapor, okay? It's not the same thing in different forms. It's three distinct persons, but one God, okay? It, it's why you have to be careful, okay? And here I go back into this stuff again, like books like The Shack. It's okay. Just be careful, okay? I don't recommend it because it does mess up the Trinity. I recommend that you go to YouTube. I'm not going to talk about it, but go to YouTube and search Mark Driscoll, The Shack, or Mark Driscoll, Twilight, and you'll have a great time, okay? Loads of fun, and you'll learn something, okay? Please go watch it. I would love for everybody in here to do that. If you go, I don't know how to get on a tube U or whatever that thing is, okay? Just go to one of your five-year-old grandchildren and have them do that for you, okay? They can do it, okay? I'm just seriously, go watch it. Just learn. Be a learner, okay? And ultimately, okay, here's what it comes down to. I got two more scriptures to read, and then I'm going to, maybe three, then we'll get to get out of here, okay? Ultimately, you cannot deny the Great Commission, what it says. Matthew 28, 19 and 20 says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of who? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That's why when I baptize people or we baptize people, we do a little prayer. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We're just doing what Scripture tells us to do. Okay? And teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age because He's eternal. Okay? So what does this mean to you personally? So what, Marty? What does this mean to me and you? John 14, and I love how practical Jesus was in His teaching. Okay? John 14 says, If you love me, keep my commands... And I'll ask the Father, and He will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth, it's the Holy Spirit. The world cannot accept Him because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. But you know Him, for He lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, it's another Judas, said, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replies, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching, my doctrine. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. 
Anyone who, go, who does not love me will not obey my teaching, my doctrine. These words, will, these words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. Some people like, and right there is practical stuff. What does this mean to me? I may not be able to understand it all, but I just love God and I follow Him and I obey Him because He's God, I'm not. Some people like to take the definition of God in 1 John 4, 8 and make it their focus and use it to excuse a lot of behavior and sway God to one side in His character. For some of you, you meditate on this all the time. It says God is what? Love. Okay? God is love. Think about this. There's another way of saying... Saying God is love is another way of saying God is Trinity. Okay? Because in the very essence, nature of God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, do you know what they have? Love. They're in relationship. Okay? Some religions teach that God was lonely, so He made us because He wanted somebody to love. The Bible says, no, God is not lacking in anything. Not lacking nothing. God doesn't need us. Within the very Trinitarian nature of God, there already existed perfect love. Relationship, friendship, harmony, unity, communication. No religion and no ideology can touch that unless they believe in the Trinity. Only, one, only we who believe in the Trinity can really declare that God is love. Because it is the essence of what it means to be the Trinitarian community of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's love. Not an, a lonely, isolated God who needs somebody to love. And apart from God, we don't know what love is. We pervert it into sex and lust and addictions of all kinds. You don't know real love apart from God. Some guys in here are probably sleeping with their girlfriend and calling it love, but it's not Trinitarian love. That's satanic love. It's lust. It's selfishness. Okay? Thanks. I came to hear that this morning. I feel much better. Okay? I'm, not, I'm, I'm telling you because I love you. Okay? I want you, I want you to know God and do better. I'm not here to condemn you. I want to lift you up and let you see God for who He is so that you can embrace Him and do better. Okay? God the Father loves you, has a plan for your love, sends Jesus to die on the cross in your place for your sin. Emmanuel, God with us, to conquer sin and death and give us new life, and then sends the Holy Spirit to teach us, guide us, and enable us, and convict us, and cheer us on, and lead us into sanctification to become more like Jesus, the Trinity at work in you. You might think I was really hard on even Mormons and Jehovah Witnesses and so on, but I just care too much about you for you to believe a lie. I don't want you to be lied to. I want you to live by the Holy Spirit through the Son to the Father. So be aware throughout the day. Think about the presence of God throughout the day in the three persons. Think about the presence. And as you read the Bible, watch for the reference to each one and what they do and how they work. And as you do, watch it in your life, how the Holy Spirit works. Be aware in your devotion time to God and like prayer, talk to Him. Jesus said we can go directly to the Father because of Him. And we also, it also tells us we can call on His name. We can call on the name of Jesus. 
Okay? Then there are times when the Holy Spirit, there's verbs, verbiage in the Bible that says, the Holy, then the Holy Spirit said to the church. He speaks to us. There's this communication. Be aware of this in your fellowship with each other here and at home. God, the Trinity, modeled for us what the church is to be. Jesus prayed this for us in John 17, 20 and 23. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for, also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one Father, just as, you, just as you are in me and I am you. May they also be in us that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. He God, one. Unity and plurality. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. You know what the ultimate reason we're to forgive each other and apologize to each other for and, and stay in unity with friends and in churches and why churches shouldn't split and be mad at each other and have arguments in church is because of Trinitarian love. The ultimate reason for marriages to stay together and not be broken is because of Trinitarian love. Okay? Just as Jesus prayed, may they be one as we are one. God wants you to be in real, loving relationships and unity. This Trinity thing, the apostles were okay with it. The early church was okay with this. Jews, Old Testament, were always okay with this. Paul was okay with this. Jesus was okay with this. Be okay with the fact that the more you know about God, the more you realize you don't know about God. Okay? It's one of those things of the more I learn, the dumber I feel. I mean, just really. Okay? It's the more you know, the smaller you feel. But at the same time, the more loved and just excited the more you know about him, the more amazed you should be. We want to know more and more so we can, you know, this is why we do it. We want to know more and more so we can put God in a box. We think if I can learn everything about him, I can control him, put him in a box, and I can, I can do that, okay? That, that isn't going to happen. Just live a life of learning and being amazed. Let's pray.